And we have kicked off. It is the Play On Podcast, episode 35. Wow, thank you for listening. I go by the name of Ben English. Don't forget you can hit us up on uh, at podcast, play on, at Beer Up and Banner, uh, your fortnightly football podcast. Um, how you doing, gentlemen? Cal, how you doing? I'm doing very well myself. How you doing? Really good, really good. Glad that the international break is over and we can watch some meaning from football again. Um, Ash, how are you, brother? Yeah, I'm good, bro. What's going on? Good, good, good. Yeah, just happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah, so like I said, podcast listeners, thank you. Make sure you subscribe, tell a friend uh, on all formats as we bring you the football coverage. And we've got a special guest today. I'm going to allow Cal to introduce him as he knows him really well. Yep, yep, yep. This is someone I've known for a very long time. Um, He is a recording artist and uh, a football enthusiast. Um, you, you might have seen him on our social media channels doing some really interesting FPL and football videos. He is none other than Mr. Flex. How do we yes. actually introduce you today, Flex? Do we, do, we, do we refer to you as Flex or do we call you Jay? Yeah, you can call me Flex or Jay, man. Either one is fine. But for the purpose of the podcast, let's go with Flex. Let's That's what everyone knows me Flex. as on yeah. the videos that I've been doing. So yeah, man, thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here and I've really enjoyed doing the little videos um, for the FPL and the, the Arsenal. So, um, yeah. Yeah, everyone's really enjoyed your video. Like, we've enjoyed your video so much that the team actually decided, yeah, let's let's get you in on the pod because, you know what I mean, you're, you're doing some really good football talk and we love to talk to you about football too. Yeah, that's, that's what it's about, man. I've always loved the game and, you know, Actually, I mean, when I was younger, I always wanted to be a football commentator. So this is the the, the, the closest I've ever got to to doing this type of thing, man. So yeah, I, I appreciate the love, and I appreciate you guys having me on. That's dope, man. You know, I never knew that because we know each other a long time. Um, went to uni with your cousin, didn't I? And uh, and that's how I got to know you through him. Yes. Um, and uh, I never actually knew that you were such a football enthusiast until maybe years down the line when. We both used to get into online forums talking about Arsenal. Um, and uh, so, yeah, just just glad to have a, another like-minded person on the pod. It's all Arsenal fans on the pod today. We don't have oh, Brian really, with us, yeah. so there's no Chelsea element. It's just all Gunners. Come on. All right. We're going to be uh, unbiased and, and be realistic. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, Flex, Arsenal's your team. Could you sum up the season? We usually get our guests, as you know, to sum up either the weekend game or the season in three words and, and seeing as Arsenal won't be playing until later on today uh, against Leeds. Can you sum up Arsenal season in three words, please? Wow. Um, I think it's been disappointing with some highs. Um, yeah, disappointed with some highs. That's how I'm going to put it because, you know, the win against Man United was great and then you go and lose 3-0 against uh, Aston Villa. So, yeah. That's fair enough. I think I think a lot of uh, listeners who are Arsenal fans would agree that it's been up and down, but mainly mainly down at the minute, a bit frustrating. So hopefully, in the next few weeks, they can turn it around before you know Arsenal are in real real big trouble. So yeah. just to kickstart, sorry, go on, yeah, were you going to say something? Sorry. No, as well, we I think Arsenal need to get their form right, especially before we play Spurs soon. We got them coming up, so we've got to get our our our. our our levels back up um, before that big game. Definitely, definitely. We'll talk about Spurs and their uh, sort of title, title hopes and, and then playing Man City shortly. So we're going to kickstart with uh, season review here. We've got the Corona 11 has made a comeback, unfortunately. Um, this is affecting countries all over the world still. And Ash has brought back his, his 11. I'm just going to let Ash pass it on to him to talk about his new corona 11 yeah so we have the the old 11 which i wanted to find first so um going through that um there's a couple of things that we need so um that 11 is um sportello um regani garay um we put in norman hunter maldini then we had um arteta fellaini matweedy dabala King Kenny Daglish and Callum Hudson Odoi. Um, so again, that was a pretty good team. Um, like not too bad, I, I thought. But then recently, there's been a spate of COVID cases, and um, there's just been a lot that's kind of happened since then. So um, 
the new eleven is quite formidable. So we've got Donnarumma in goal, who's the AC Milan goalkeeper. We had Matt Doherty, who's the right-back for Tottenham. We then had Marquinhos, um, the PSG centre-back. And I went for an old-school guy who actually played really well yesterday, um, Branislav Ivanovic. Now, that's not the Branislav Ivanovic for today, but if you remember what he was like beforehand, like a colossal defender as well. Um, And an opponent to him yesterday was Tellez, so he's going to be the left-back of the back four. When we go into the midfield, that's where it gets really interesting. So we've got Thiago and Pogba as the two. Mm. And then we yeah. we're, and then we're literally sport for choice up front. Um, we've got a pick of Neymar, Mbappe, Mane, Salah, Suarez, Ronaldo, and Ibrahimovic. So I personally, I personally <laughs> went for Neymar as the 10. And then I went Ronaldo, Zlatan, and Suarez. But don't shoot me, because any, <laughs> like any one of the guys could have been there. As we said, we've always done this in a way to kind of like not make light of the subject, but just kind of give a different view on it. We want everyone to, to recover. We want everyone to get back to their levels. And if you have had a case of like COVID or coronavirus near you or in your family, we hope that they've recovered well and they're back to normal. So, yeah, that's the updated list. Definitely, definitely. Really good update today, Corona 11 there, Ash. Yeah, I had a, I did have a look at some of the players. Um, do you guys remember Manolo Gabbiadini? He played yeah. for Sampdoria now. Yeah, he was. I did like him as a player when he was at Southampton. He does well for Sampdoria as well. He had the the virus, I think, as well. Yeah, so he made our first list, but then when mm. Kenny when Kenny Daglish got it, we okay. kind of thought, who are we going to put in there, Daglish or Gabbiadini? Okay, yeah, <laughs> I think Daglish. Kenny makes sense. Yeah, 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 of course, um, yeah, legend, isn't it? But yeah, just that that front seven to pick four from those was absolutely crazy. So, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, to leave out Mbappe, Salah, and Mane says a lot. <laughs> it says a hell of a lot. But yeah, that's Corona eleven. They could be part of this new five sub rule if it if it gets the go ahead, which we can uh, talk about in a bit. But yeah, just shedding some uh, sort of bit of bit of fun, bit of light on what's going on. Obviously, please stay safe. Please wear your face masks, and it'll be interesting to see how it affects the the league and the players and sort of fans going into the new year, no matter where we are around the world. So, and who, uh, who have we got as manager? Or did you mention manager? Is there a player manager? No, nah, I haven't really gone for a manager this time. I think we had, we had Thingy as player manager beforehand. Oh, Teta, I think, yeah. I think, I tell you what I'll do. I'll make Ronaldo the manager. Cause remember he, apparently he coached Portugal to 2016 glory. Even though he was on the bench, so we'll make we'll make Ronaldo the manager. <laughs> Is there nothing he can't do? Is there nothing this man can't do? He can't be Messi. <laughs> I leave that there. <laughs> yeah, well, let's wait for Messi to do do uh, do it in another league, and then he can maybe have contentions. But there's, Here we go. there's that conversation. For oh, wait for him that, to win something that's, that's that same old argument. Not about the two greats. There we go, there we go. Right, moving on. We've got the FIFA World Rankings. Now, what with the international break with the Nations League and the qualifiers, um, England obviously playing in some really other uh, good standout games, most notably Spain and Germany. Um, the World FIFA World Rankings have been uh, published. And the good discussion point is, you know, why England didn't qualify uh, for the Nations League and sort of can the can the men's rankings be taken sort of serious on your views you know you've got Belgium uh, number one even though they haven't won anything and you've got France who have dominated recently in second place England uh, sorry Brazil in third uh, they're in transition England fourth getting to a semi-final is that enough Croatia getting get to a final fifth Uruguay six Portugal seven Switzerland eight I just wait for Cal to sit the screen, go down a bit. Uh, Spain, nine, and Denmark, ten, with Argentina and Messi's Argentina just on the outskirts. So, sort of, what, uh, Flex, what's your view on sort of the, uh, the standings at the moment? And, you know, should it, England be where they are? What's your views on where the teams are? Um, I mean, I think it's a good reflection of, of, the, inter- of, of, of the game's um, teams have played and, and you know especially with Belgium they've won a lot of, of, of games although they haven't won 
any tournaments. I mean, I don't like to put too much stock into it because obviously, as you said, France are sitting second and Belgium are number one and Brazil are third. Um, but I, I do think um, that England are in good standing on the list. They've played really well in, in, in their games and they've had good um, good fortune over the, over the period since the, the World Cup. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about why you think we think they missed out on um, getting into the the nation league, um, the nation league's finals. But yeah, I mean, I try not to put too much stock on the rankings myself. Anyway, mm-hmm. I mean, Germany, Germany are down there in in what position did you say they were? Uh, uh, Germany are yeah, they're uh, not the highest ranking. Thirteenth table. Thirteenth. Never I mean, I guess 16th, Italy and 17th, some really big nations that aren't in the top 10. Yeah, especially, I mean, Germany will probably drop because they had a massive 6-0 loss against the Spanish. Um, I, w- I would like to make an honourable mention for Jamaica in 48th place. In the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, We had a good win against Saudi Arabia um, last week in the international break. So, Those yeah. Powerhouses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, Wales are sitting there. Wales are doing well as well. I mean, they've they've come a long way. Um, you know, I think some of the home nations are, are doing well in in the in the rankings. Yeah. Uh, Wales up to nineteenth. Not bad for a, for a small nation. I think, yeah. I think with my thing, and maybe Ashley can help me. Like, sort of looking at the top ten there. How many teams did England beat inside that top ten um, in a tournament game? Not many. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, the thing with the, the thing with the, the rankings is it depends on who you play. So, for instance, if you play a higher level of opponent, you could technically get more points for doing that. So that's why some of the friendlies that he used to put on, a lot of it was down just to kind of like get points as well as kind of money in as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, the best team in the world right now is France. Like, I, I don't think we can kind of really go against that. They won the World Cup. They got to the Euros, um, the final. They've got exceptional players as much as Belgium are very very good whenever they've actually met France they've never been able to topple them so for me this is more to do with like kind of spreadsheets and algorithms and stuff like that but the eye test lets me know that the best team in the world is France there's a a lot of pressure on Belgium at the minute what with the the, the golden generation Mm. uh, that they have and you know once once in a while a team like this comes along where they've got they're just loaded with world-class players. Um, so it's now living up to that expectation and the pressure that comes with mm-hmm. it in tournament football. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next but it's, year. It's weird that they're called a golden generation because if you actually go through the squads and you look at, like, France have got elite talent throughout. But I suppose because they've had <laughs> such a long a long history yeah. of elite talent, it looks a bit different. When a like, when generation comes, it's just this generation. It is different. But even though this is Belgium's golden generation there's still a very strong argument that France has still got a much better squad than them. Yeah, well, I, think I definitely agree with Ash. Um, I mean, having watched the last World Cup, and you know, France weren't really that great, but they still won it. Mm. Um, and their players have just been developing since then, the younger players. We know they play for all the biggest teams in the world. And having watched them recently in the Nations League against Portugal, um, that was a game, that was a really good game where, you know, Portugal had Ronaldo, João Felix, um, Diego Jota, and, you know, and France still managed to beat them, created so many chances, cut mm. them open. And France are just looking just so impressive right now. And I think the um, the world rankings, you know, we, we kind of discussed in the group chat, didn't we, about how complicated it is to work yeah. out the mm. point system that get awarded that kind of decide these, these FIFA world rankings. Um, but, yeah, but if you just kind of give it the eye test, they can it can be quite misleading. I mean, mm. yeah, that's yeah, definitely can be misleading. But yeah, as you said, England have probably haven't done as well as most of those against some of those teams in there. So, um, you know, I, 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 when it comes to the, you know, we all like to watch the tournaments, and you know, that's where the nitty gritty gets down to. And I think whoever's the world champion or the European champion, they should be at the top. And yeah, yeah, hundred. Definitely. Moving on. Um, so England didn't seem think uh, can sort of get past Belgium, and they've been knocked out. Uh, you know, sort of getting onto the Nations League. So, what is it? Is there a problem at the minute, or is it just maybe the media jumping on Gareth Southgate? Yet they had a lot of injuries 
uh, with that game and he was sort of played Mason Mount, Grealish, uh, which maybe didn't quite work. Um, do, do we need to be worried? I'm going to ask Ash, do, do England need to be worried at the moment as to sort of not qualifying for that league? Not, not, not really. I, I think the, the key is to be ready for the Euros this summer um, and building upon what, what was done last time in the World Cup. So I think even with the World Cup, they did, they did well. They got to a stage where they, they did all right. They had a, a favourable group. They got through it, got to the semis. And then when they really played uh, a, an astute team, they got, they, they, they got bullied. Um, Croatia deserved to beat them in the semi-finals. Um, as much as they talk about, oh, what would have happened if Kane played that pass to Sterling? He didn't. And we are where, like, we are, where we are. Um, since it was, offside, then, it was I, offside, weren't he? Sterling was offside, weren't he? No, no. You know when he could have squared it to, to, um, to Sterling? He would have been yeah, offside. Thought, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but then, you know, I mean, the, you know, England's greatest goal scorer is not going to... Yeah, play. exactly, exactly. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that, that that's a moment that people will go to to almost be like, oh, we should have made it to the final. Not really, because if you watch the actual game, Croatia were the better side and they really turned the screw in the second half. Um, so for me, England still... I think what Southgate's doing at the moment is he hasn't actually settled on what his best formation is. It started with a 3-5-2. Then it shifted to a 4-3-3. Mm. And now it looks like he's going to go for this 3-4-3 to try to incorporate some of the players. I think you do need to play someone like Grealish. He is really, really creative. 100%. I think they yeah. don't have... I don't think they, they know what they're doing in the centre of the park yet. So I think with Rice and Henderson, it's not quite gelling. Winks plays every now and then, but he's not really... He doesn't really do enough for me. Um, and I think they need to just kind of settle at the back. Up front, they've got they've got players. They've got an abundance of like talent. Kane's in great form, as we'll speak about a bit later on. You've got Rashford, Sterling, Sancho, Foden, Grealish, like Dominic Calvert Lewin's in the mix as well. Ings, Abraham. The goals will look after themselves. I don't what I think England don't have at the moment is they don't have the right foundation in defence and midfield to allow their attacking players a bit more surety to do their own thing. Once they get that then I think we'll see a better England. Um, so just building on that flex, do you think then sort of what Ash was saying, trying to accommodate for certain players, do you think like the problem with England in the past is they've been trying to shoehorn players in uh, and therefore hasn't worked with the cohesion of the team? I'm thinking back to having like Scholes, Gerrard and Lampard all in um, and then yeah. that, obviously, that obviously didn't work. So, I mean, I think since then England have moved on quite a lot. I mean... I think that this England team is probably the most adaptable England team I've I've seen for a while. They can play different formations, um, and you know, players that do come in seem to do well. I mean, Grealish has come in. Foden, uh, Foden's a young player. You know, he's got great future ahead of him. Grealish is still young. Um, you know, and I think these players fit in to the systems that England want to play at the moment. Um, you know, I think. Against you could see against Belgium. I mean, England. Let's be honest. From my point of view, watching it, I thought England were were all over Belgium. I mean, Belgium were defending. I know they got the two goals, but I think overall that was a really good performance. And England were the better team and just didn't have the luck on the day. Um, you know, they were missing players like Rashford, Sterling, um, who for me are probably arguably arguably England's best um, players. Um, they're one of the first along with Kane, they're one of the first names on the team sheet. So, you know, and players that do come in, Grealish and Foden, etc., they fitted well into the into the squad um in the in the last two games for me. Nice. Right. Moving on. We've got Premier League roundup reviews. We're gonna go first team of the weekend that uh needed a win to go top, although temporarily it was Chelsea beating Newcastle away. Uh, Newcastle without their striker, um, Callum Smith at the moment. So they were sort of struggling a bit. And Chelsea firing, although without Pulisic, um, they still had Werner, Tammy Abraham and the other lads. What's his name? Zeke. Um, DH. DH has got the magic, yeah. magical left foot. Chelsea just pulling away, looking really sharp, looking good. And another clean sheet. Um mm. Oh, this would be interesting. Uh, if you, I won't talk about it on here, but if you just look at your screens, lads, maybe he won't, he won't do the same thing as he did before. Or is it a different player? It is, yeah. Moving on. 
Um, Chelsea looking strong, man. I think they're in contention for top four. Uh, there's so many teams now. It's a bit of a funny season. I mean, the league is wide open. I feel Chelsea have really turned it around. Wow. I've really yeah. turned it around. And uh, I think they're, you know, a solid contention for top four. What's, what's your thoughts, Flex? Um, I mean, I think against Newcastle, they played really well. Um, you know, in the last few weeks, those new players that they've got are fitted in really nicely. I think the manager has to get some credit for that. You know, um, you know, when you've got a lot, a lot of these big players, I mean, in every position, they've got two or three really good players. Um, he's doing well to get the best out of them. Um, I think, it's, well, Newcastle in the game, I, I, I think they look lost without a focal point. Um, and I think that they missed Callum Wilson a lot um, yesterday. Um, so it was disappointing that they didn't... Um, do better than they did, but Chelsea, good team. Mm-hmm. I said, um, did I say Callum Smith? I meant Callum Wilson. I do think that, yeah. Uh, yeah, my bad. I do think I was getting distracted there with that Fulham shocker. Um, no, I do hey. feel that, uh, oh, wow. Well. Yeah, I do feel that Bruce uh, has done really well with Newcastle. Um, I know they were sort of arcing back to the, to the days of Rafa Benitez, but, He's got them steady. He's got them playing decent football. There's a few signings they've brought in. And, you know, Newcastle fans probably uh, coming away with that one, thinking oh, they can maybe have done a bit better. But Chelsea flying without some of their best players. Um, moving on, we had Aston Villa losing a surprise game to Brighton. A lot of people went Aston Villa heavy on their fantasy football team. I know I did for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jack Grealish, the man at the moment, had a great international break with England um, maybe proving a bit too much for him with this game and fair play to, to Brighton who just kept plugging away and uh, Ash what, what's your thoughts on Welbeck rolling back the years with that finish <laughs> well, yeah, it was, was brilliant wasn't it yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hilarious because I think on the last podcast I said if you need goals don't, oh, don't rely on Welbeck um, yeah and our top finish Aston Villa were really just disappointing I think the Buckley injury threw them off Yeah, um, he's been a big player for them so far and I know they brought on Traore who got the assist for the goal but he's like a striker or a forward so it seemed to throw them off slightly um I just think yeah it's a big put it's a big it's a big three points for Brighton they needed something great goal by um by Solly March like what yeah. a finish to go like Excellent to go top finish, corner yeah. but I just think Aston Villa was really weird because they've been they got beat um three not home by by Leeds got beat by Southampton, go to the Emirates, win 3-0, and then they throw that up. Like, it's just so inconsistent, like, what they're doing at the moment. So they seem they seem a team that seems better set to play against the big boys than guys who are on their level or slightly below them. I'd say, yeah, Brighton, Brighton did well there. And, and they're playing good, expansive football as well. Um, so rather than sort of sit back, they were attacking. Um, and then a bit of afters late on in the game with... Uh, Lamptey, is it? Uh, yeah, Lamptey. Yeah, I think that was that was a bit unfortunate. Their second yellow card. Uh, I don't think you know. I think because of the melee with players going into each other, then any any tackle straight away after that, ref was sort of going to whip out the card, and him to him to get a second yellow was a bit unfortunate. But um, Brighton yeah, holding I do, on. Yeah, I do think it was it, it was a bit harsh, don't you think, guys, that he got sent off for that second yellow? I mean, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I mean, and especially obviously there was a bit of a melee but yeah I think it was very very harsh and then you know Villa were you know with the pen they almost they had the, the penalty shout yeah um, what was your thoughts on that did you think that was a penalty flex or you, you I, think, I, right think, I think the player went down a bit too theatrically yeah. you know if he had just I mean just falling over in a normal way then possibly the referee might have chosen to, to to give the pen but he, he went down theatrically holding him like he'd been shot so, so yeah. you know what yeah so you know what it was a, like there was contact but what yes. happened is is because he got a slight touch of the ball first they said that the follow through was a natural follow through hence why it hit him but there was contact the player was right to go down like that but for him I actually have to commend the referee for going and checking because you had to really zoom in and see that there was a slight touch. And actually, he said, you know what? He did touch the ball. He diverted it away from the player. And then the follow-through came through. So, yeah, I think it was a very good decision and one that I, I actually applaud. The, yeah. that, that, to me, is VAR working as it should do. 
Um, yeah. Well, like we said, I think VAR does work. It's how they are interpreting it. Sorry, yeah, you're and right. the people yeah, behind the right. scenes. But yeah, I think a penalty last minute. I mean, yeah, I think that would have maybe been a bit, bit unjust there. Um, moving on, the next game, and there was another decision which the ref got right with the handball of uh, Jesus for Man City, but Tottenham winning 2-0 at home to Manchester City. Now, this was a game that both teams needed to win. Spurs, obviously, to try and get back on top, albeit for a short amount of time, and Man City to try and close the gap on the team's above them and also just to build up a, a sort of bit of a momentous run mm. and they're a bit in a transition period at the minute which is mad when you think they've, they've got everyone almost uh, at full strength other than Aguero but man uh, Spurs straight out the traps straight you know like a like a greyhound attacking and a great goal from Sun um, we're just going to touch on uh, sort of, Ash what's your views on the Spurs win, and then we can, we can touch on Guardiola's extension of the contract. So, um, credit to Spurs, did what they had to kind of do. They were actually bossed in the first half. Like, Man City were the better team, they probed. But um, they, they, they spoke about this on, on the coverage yesterday, and I have to completely agree. Edison is probably the best keeper in the Premier League at coming off of his line, um, being quick, narrowing spaces, pushing them up. But he does this thing where even like on one-to-ones, he kind of rushes, he rushes out a little bit too quickly. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, both the finishes were just slipped underneath him while he was kind of in the midst yeah. of diving. I was going to so say that. Like, yeah. Do you think he sort of, he came off, he came off too prematurely. He could have just sort of stayed back a little bit and allowed the defenders just to see what would, what would happen. The, the first one, I completely understand why he may have done that. But again, it was quite smart from Son. The second one, he didn't need to come that early. Like he, he didn't need to come across like that. He could have just stood covered and if the guy drills it in the far corner fair dues but he didn't even hit the ball properly but because it's gone through his legs and then that was the end of the game I think as soon as they went 2-0 up there was no way Man City wouldn't get back into it and I do think it's really interesting just how um the players are being deployed so obviously I know they've had some some injuries Jesus was back um I know Aguero's back Sterling's back but even like Foden I don't understand why he didn't play yesterday uh, Mares isn't in good form um, it just again, Guardiola just seems to be making like just the wrong decisions. But also, the players just don't really seem up to it. I don't know what's going on with them. They just don't seem to be at the expected level, and they're just handing points and handing the incentive initially to what I would have said is Liverpool. But now you have to look at it to be Chelsea or Tottenham. Like these these teams are genuinely in with a shot of winning the Premier League this season. Yeah. I think it was one of the ones where, you know, maybe a bit flat from the international break. De Bruyne was trying to do everything and then sort of, he was chasing back for the, uh, for the second goal. He was poor yesterday. And I think yeah. he's, been poor, he's been poor in a couple of games now. And I think it's like a lot of players get, get flat. People will be on Pogba, they'll be on players like that. Even like Fernandes, we'll go into his game in a bit. He wasn't that good yesterday either, but he, he helped to, to win the game. But well, yeah, yeah, De Bruyne, yeah, De Bruyne just hasn't been as good as he was last year. And he needs to, he need, he needs to get up to the level for, for Man City to move forward. Well, Spurs, you know, I mean, Man City were all over Spurs and it mm. was like, not a part of the bus, but Spurs were ready to hit him in transition. Mourinho yeah. getting Kane to drop deeper um, as a deeper role and to take out Laporte and just sort of play as that link player has just been genius. And now I think Kane is sort of, you know, you could say Kane's the best player in the Prem hands down now at the minute this season. With what oh, he's yeah. doing... With all his Him. goals and in passing, he's um, absolutely killing it. Um, but Flex, thing, oh, yeah, go sorry. on, sorry. The, the thing on that, though, is he was doing that for England. And I said one of the best performances I've seen from Kane in about the last two or three years was Spain away when they beat them 3-2. So yeah. on the list that, um, yeah, in the list that um, Cal just put up, that was a top game where they went to Spain and they won 3-2. Harry Kane's got that. He can be, as, he can be an exceptional 10 as well as a great number nine. And I think Marino just used that to, to his benefit. Yeah. Um, Flex, what's your thoughts on Guardiola signing a two-year contract? And I mean, there were talks that obviously Messi would follow suit. That's now been sort of put to bed. But yeah. um, he's obviously got uh, a bit more to do sort of trying to win the Champions League seems to be the uh, the main point that they're trying to get to. But another two years for Man City fans to have Guardiola. What's your thoughts on him signing an extension? I mean, I think it's good. Him signing an extension. I mean, I don't think he's. Did he ever sign an extension when he was at um, 
Bayern. I don't think this will be the longest, his longest serving club, right? Mm. So, you know, for them to get his signature and he, you know, he's got unfinished business. He's got to try and win them the Champions League. But to be honest, I don't think they're going to win the Champions League if they can't defend at the moment. I mean, he has had problems with defence in the last, this season. Um, and that they miss company a, a, a lot. Um, and he seems to haven't, has, have, he seems to not been able to put it right um, with the defence. Um, you know, it's all good having the possession, um, but they just don't, can't do it like they've done in previous, um, in previous seasons. I think also yesterday watching the Man City, you know, Bernardo Silva, every time he got the ball, he was on the he was on the wings. He just weren't putting a cross in to mm-hmm. the box. You know that's a problem there. You know it 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 you know drop the shoulder, cut in, cut out, but then it passed it square. Or yeah, you know, there was no boxes going into the box yesterday, and I think that's a problem as well. I mean, maybe because they don't have um, Aguero wasn't wasn't there. You know that that main focal point. Jesus is a good player, but you know so. I mean, overall, I think it's good that he signed. He signed. He's got unfinished business, but I don't think if they can't sort out their defence, they're not going to win it. They're not going to win anything. Yeah, I think they're relying on too much on Walker's pace, and Cancelo's a great, great attackive player. But um, and with Laporte, he's sort of one one tackle away from being injured again for the season. So a lot of uh, unanswered questions, and even more so against a, a dominant Spurs team who are in real contention now as their best season ever to to win the league. They've got the managers, they've got the players. So let's see what happens in the next few months. Right, rounding up the fixture uh, fixture list of the weekend. Um, and Ash spoke briefly about Fernandez sort of being there to get the points for Man United and for fantasy football people that captained him, you know, in replacement of Salah. That was a funny one. I mean, you know, we'll talk about this cyber attack that Man United had. And I think because of the cyber attack, they got in a penalty. It's like someone sneezes, they get a penalty. <laughs> I've never known a team get so many penalties. It's some real... Ferguson, George stuff that's going and, on and, here, and then and a retake as well. Oh, mate. <laughs> I was watching it, so I, I had it on my uh, phone. I wasn't like sitting with the wife, or whatever, and I just I had it on in the background. And just before he's stepping up, I go, "Yeah, he's going to miss this." And then when he missed it, I t- screamed because I had him as my captain, mm-hmm. and I was like, "This is, you know, a given that he's got something's going to happen." And then they have a retake, man. They are so lucky. They are so Jamie. lucky. Um, so that I technique thought, that Fernandez uses as well <laughs> literally give you a heart attack if you've got uh, it's a hop skip and a jump hop skip <laughs> yeah. and a jump I felt Oli Mar- must be getting more and more grey hairs every time Fernandez takes a penalty oh mate I thought Martial looked strong again uh, great effort towards the end of the game where he took it behind him where Cavani dummied it he took it behind him and then the last ditch tackle but Martial back up front uh, Rashford coming back from fitness and uh, Fernandez sort of pulling strings so Man United good to get the home win West Brom fighting uh, down at the relegation they're not looking as bad as Fulham uh, and there's some other teams around them but if they're not careful they're going to be stuck uh, at the bottom three but yeah Man United nothing sort of fancy they needed a win after the um, the Arsenal loss and uh, yeah Fernandez doing it again not much really to say about that I'm going to pass it on to anyone who wants to talk about Man United before we talk about just, just their pictures. first hot- just their first home win this season. So they lost to Palace, Spurs and Arsenal. Um, so yeah, it should never take United till November to get their first home win of the season. Um, yeah, missing the fans. Missing the fans, I feel they are at Old Trafford. I saw a cheeky yeah. tweet from somebody who said, uh, I've got more testicles than uh, Martial has shots on target this season. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Martial, though, the thing with him is he's going to get one and the moment he gets one, he's gonna get. He'll end up having like seven in five. Yeah, he just yeah. need. He's it's confidence now. He just needs one to go in, and then the moment it goes in, then he'll he'll be he'll be a player again. So that's why I didn't my team early because I think he's a position. For, as long as they're getting in the positions, then that's all you can ask for for the players as they're just coming back from sort of injury or whatever. I know he played for France, but Man United will be there thereabouts. Mm. How did they? I mean, overall, did they play all right, Man United? I mean, it was the only game I didn't actually watch. Um, on the weekend okay. no they okay. weren't great they weren't yeah. great but it was they against West Brom you know dogged West Brom but it, they didn't blow yeah. them off the park and they still got Donny my Donny van der Bleek <laughs> excuse me <laughs> on, on the bench and I'm thinking I this know. lad 
It's come from Ajax, and it'll be a co- it'll be perfect for what they need. They got Fred there. I don't know why. He's like a reborn Pogba. Um, yeah, it's not working. You know, McTominay. I like McTominay uh, for certain games, but why they haven't got Donny Van der Bleet playing with Fernandez with Rashford, Martial, and then they're playing Cavani instead of I don't know if Agallo was injured, but Cavani came on, looked looked leggy, looked slow, got booked. Um, yeah. So w- wait and see. Right, moving on. We've got the current game on the TV, the television at the moment is Fulham losing 2-3 to Everton. That could probably change by the end that this podcast is uh, recorded. Fulham missing another penalty, hence my reactions halfway through the pod. And they're looking... I mean, I, I, was, I was talking to someone who come to do some work on my house the other week that Scott Parker's going to get sacked by Christmas. I can't see... As much as I like him, as much as I like Fulham, uh, you know, the concept of them as a team and the way they play... I can't see him continuing this, um, which I feel a bit sorry for Scotty Parker because, yeah, it's not looking good. He's not getting the results. Um, I mean, this is actually a cracking game since you've mentioned it. It's it's 2-3 at the moment, Fulham losing 2-3 at home. Uh, Not long left to go. Um, I mean, obviously, Everton were one of the informed teams at the start of the season, weren't they? Uh, But they've kind of dropped off of late. Um, But you would have thought, a manager like Carlo Ancelotti will have the experience to know, you know, how to maybe shake things up and to be able to to grind out some results again when they hit a bad patch. But with Scott Parker being quite a new manager, you, you know, I guess maybe if you as a Fulham owner, you would think to yourselves, will he be able to turn this around? Because he doesn't actually have the experience of having turned around a situation like this before. Mm. Um, so that could be, you know, maybe the deciding factor on whether Scott Parker is given an opportunity to to stay and to, to try and turn things around, or whether the board think to themselves, you know what, let's get someone else in that can help us stay in the Premier League, because the last thing you want is relegation. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's uh, going to be an interesting, interesting one. Right, later on today, we've got Sheffield United playing West Ham. West Ham played a lot of uh, big teams and managed to carve out some results. And they're going away to a Sheffield United team struggling at the moment. Um, should be a good game. Can't see too many goals in it, but both teams needing a win. I know we had um, our previous guest on the show was a big Sheffield United fan. So hopefully they can do well uh, for Howe, who we had on previously. And yeah. We had Paddy on, who's a West Ham fan as well. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Like, <laughs> conflict conflict <laughs> yeah, of views there for the fans. Um, um, Ash, yeah, go on. Any thoughts so, on this one? I feel that looking at what Sheffield United have coming up, um, they have to win this game. Like I think, I think, I think Sheffield, I think West Ham have done okay at the moment. Um, they're not too bad. Um, they, like I said, they've taken points off of teams maybe they shouldn't have taken points off of, so they're not too bad. But I'm looking at Sheffield United's games. They got West. They got West Ham today. West Brom away. Leicester at home. Southampton away. And in those four games, they need at least two wins to really get their season going. Um, I think they could win today. I don't think they will. Um, but yeah, it then means that the West Brom game next week is an absolute like huge game. It's a Saturday night game. Um, yeah, it's huge. But I think, I, think, I think they can maybe get something from this. I think it could, they could maybe sneak a draw. Maybe. Yeah, I think this is a game, it depends on what type of West Ham turns up. Uh, I think it's a game Sheffield United can win. Uh, I'm not going to do the predictions because I think... Mm. We often get it wrong and I look stupid. But I, I think it's a game <laughs> without saying too much. Um, I think it's a game they can win and they should be looking to win uh, as West Ham's a team that's sort of in and around where they are as well. So mm. interesting to see how they get on. Um, let's move on to the big game for us as fans. Uh, Flex, what's your views on the Leeds Arsenal game? Uh, Arsenal having to travel up north to face a Leeds team still trying to find their feet. They're playing a lot of good football. They pushed Liverpool um, and they're really yeah. going for it. And Arsenal needed to turn around with Arteta. Yeah, I think, you know, Arsenal going into this game, it's important that we try to obviously win this game. I think we need to start scoring goals. Um, that's been a, a bit of a problem so far this season. Aubameyang's dried up. Um, none of the front three are really doing um, that well when it comes to scoring goals. I think defensively, we're... we're, we're we're better, um, but um, the Aston Villa game showed that we're probably not. Um, 
But, you know, to concede three goals in that game, considering before that we had the best defensive, um, the best defence in the league, um, was quite disappointing. Um, yeah, with Leeds, good team, good manager. Um, you know, they're, they're a bit up and down, similar to us, really. But I think, you know, com- as a team coming into, into this league, um, they are doing doing really, really well. Um, Bamford scoring goals. Um, you know, he's a player that used to get a lot of stick from the Leeds fans um, and, and always had a bit of a problem um, with with the Leeds fans over the years. But he's coming to the Premier League and he's showing what he can do. Um, the other players around him um, are all doing, doing the best that they can. Um, I, I think overall Leeds will be all right um, for this game. I'm just hoping Arsenal get a win. Um, or, or with Arsenal, I just think a better performance. Even if we were to draw, just come out and play, play properly. Mm. I, I think I think this is a game. You know, this sort of suits Arsenal the way they set up at Old Trafford. Uh, with you know, they're an away team. Uh, yeah. Rather than they're having to break down break down the team at home, um, Leeds will come out flying at them with Bielsa, and I think Arteta will. I've spoke to the players and say, look, the way you played against Aston Villa was the worst. I've seen you play under my management. Yeah. You need yeah. to turn it around and speak to the players. And, you know, he needs to get, I mean, Pepe obviously has said that he's unhappy with his minutes. Um, Lacazette just looks not the player he was. Aubameyang's not playing close enough to Lacazette, albeit done on the, on the, on the, sort of out wide or up front and Willian is, I think we just got bumped there I think one of them things where you, you buy something from the market and it looks good and then when you plug it in it's just like nah it's broke so um, yeah. having Partey not necessarily the worst thing because I'd rather have him for the Spurs game moving forward um, but I feel this is a, a game that Arsenal can and should win Ash William looks you know what William looks like you know when you see the McDonald's adverts and the Big Mac looks really <laughs> succulent <laughs> and you go there, you buy it, and it's like, what is this? The lettuce is looking all like brown. <laughs> Half the burger looks like it's been eaten already. Uh, his afro is all shining. <laughs> it's looking mad knotty. We've been yeah, catfished. we've been catfished with yeah. that one. To be fair though, this is this this is William, and anyone and any Chelsea fan that like Ryan will tell you he'll do this thing where he'll have these sprinkles of good games. Um, Actually, you know what's happening? You know what's funny? When we play Tottenham, I want William to start. He always comes alive against Tottenham. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I've already earmarked he has to play in that game because for some weird yeah. reason, like, he just gets triggered by them. It's about playing him in the right position as well. I mean, you know, right and wrong well. position. But I feel if, if you had him as a number 10 pulling strings and just running at people, uh, I don't think that's what Arsenal were doing enough of mm. that Villa did against us. And they were just direct. Like, they couldn't handle Bartley. They couldn't handle Grealish. You just, if you're just direct and run at players, you know, mm. Pepe and all, Saka does it. If you run at players with your speed, it's going to trouble defenders no matter who you are. And, you know, yeah. I know Arsenal, Arteta now has Arsenal playing part passing teams today mm. and if you look at the, the 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 style of passes it's always follows a pattern of passing style yeah um which um emre used to have minus the overlapping fullbacks i think yeah. they need to go back to some of that and a bit more direct football um to move forward so it's too it's, it's, a, too, it's too automated at the moment so yeah. i think yeah. i think the issue with us is there's no rule like freedom of, of expression and also we're not playing players in our best positions so I think now, as much as he's played left wing and he's done a job there, he needs to Abamian needs to go through the centre. Or if he does play left wing, you play him the way that Liverpool play Mohamed Salah, as in he stays up up the end of the pitch. He doesn't come back. He doesn't need to worry about tracking back. He doesn't need to be selfless. Stay in the area where you can be the most effective. Yeah. Salah does less tracking back than anyone else in the Liverpool team, but yet he is their most potent weapon when it comes to scoring goals. Even Mane, Mane's a little bit more like all, all action, but still he makes sure he went like when we need to, he's in the areas that he needs to be in. Abamyang is too far away from the goal, number one. Number two, I think the the way it's set up as well is I'm not really a big fan of holding as the right sided centre back. I think he's the person who lots of teams target. And I know he played well against United, but I'm always worried that any skillful winger who gets inside of Bellerin then is attacking holding 
that that right hand channel of our team is not is not functioning as well as it should do. So I think that needs to be changed. A change I would actually make is I would put Maitland Niles as our right centre back. Sorry, as our right um as our right wing back. Yeah, I was going to say for a minute. Yeah, because <laughs> I think because I think what Maitland Niles does a bit better than Bellerin because Bellerin to be fair in one v ones he's getting beaten too easily. I think. Maitland Niles is exceptional in 1v1s. And I think we need to stop what happens down that left-hand side. Leeds have Harrison on the left-hand side, who's a very good player. And they play in, they play in pockets. So I would, I would really hope that he plays today. I think we'll get a draw today. I don't think we're going to win. Um, but we, 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 like, we, need to get, we need to get a win as quickly as possible. Because it's been... We've, won, we've lost that three out of our last four. And it's yeah. just, yeah, it's looking really bleak, man. Really, yeah. really bleak. It's definitely some other tough games. More, more freedom of expression in our play, and, and, and you're right there. Definitely need more of that. Right. Talking of freedom, a lot of their players seem to be banged up, uh, not abroad, obviously, but <laughs> hospital issues uh, in fitness. Liverpool, their injured eleven would give most teams a run for their money. Uh, they're playing a Leicester team with Vardy looking to have a, a COVID-free party. Uh, Liverpool really needed to dig deep with this one. Um, can we see anything other than maybe a draw? Leicester flying or trying to, you know, to, to keep pushing up for the top spot. Liverpool looking like a wounded animal. Could we see anything other than a draw? Or, gentlemen, I'll pose it to you. Will Liverpool really show their uh, their strength as champions? And when they're down, this is where they rally together and they get a result. I could see anything happening in this one. Um, we know that Vardy's had a return to form. Obviously, last season's Golden Boot winner is always a threat. Um, it's possible that they could win this game. Um, that Justin is, is 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 a threat at left back. Castanga does does quite well um, on the right, um, and uh, you know Tielemans was playing well for Belgium in the Nations League. There's a lot of attacking potential that Leicester have. They're really good on the counter attack. They're really quick pace, and um, I think they're quite efficient in possession as well. They don't have players that like to hog the ball and you know kind of like a, a Jack Grealish where he'll pick up the ball and he'll be dribbling and, and he'll hold the ball for a while Pepe does that for Arsenal where he'll hold the ball for quite some time dribbling and dribbling Leicester seem to move the ball quite quickly um, and that can be dangerous against Liverpool on a counter attack who have as you've mentioned have a lot of players out missing so yeah if I was a betting man um, the odds would probably be quite good uh, for Leicester so I'd be going for a Leicester win Interesting, interesting. Yeah, some people have put Leicester as, have talked about Leicester as favourites for this game with Liverpool's problems at the moment with the injuries, COVID, etc. So, yeah, it should make for an interesting game. Um, I, yeah, as you said, um, you know, Vardy's in great form um, and I think he could be a threat in this game. I mean, we obviously can't discount the fair Liverpool because with Salah being out, um, Mane should be taking a bit more responsibility. Jota or Jota, however you pronounce his name, I heard some people yeah. say Jota. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's he's obviously been playing really well. He's the man of the moment, and uh, he'll be looking to step up and take more responsibility with Salah being out. So, hey, you know, Liverpool do have a squad. They do, do have players that can come in and do a job. So, yeah, it should be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I think, looking at this game, I think the key battle is what is how Leicester set up in midfield. Because that's actually where they've got the strength. Um, as much as they've got like good strikers and Harvey Barnes and those kinds of things, I think Tielemans, if they play Tielemans, Madison and Mendy as a three, mm. you know, and they really squeeze Liverpool's three, whoever that may be, I think that's where the game is essentially won. I know that Liverpool have a lot out at the moment, but again, a lot of their work is to do about, again, systems, things about being automated, like how they, how they deploy their, their midfield free is to provide quite a lot of protection and to spring their front free. So if, if, if Leicester can actually win the midfield battle, then I'm backing with Leicester to win the game. But I think, I think whoever wins that wins the game. I don't think it's... I don't, like defenders, I think Matic will, Matic will play, Robertson should be fit. They'll probably play Milner at right back, and then they may play that young centre back um, Phillips, who's 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 half decent. So I don't, yeah. As much as much as they're missing like their their first choice defenders, I still think Liverpool will have a, a competent defence out. But I really think the midfield is 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 a key part of this game. If 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 
if Leicester can control the midfield, Leicester can, can, can actually beat Liverpool today. Nice. And that rounds us up with Burnley, Crystal Palace and Wolves, Southampton. Uh, Burnley, Crystal Palace, both notoriously sort of tight, tight defences. Um, and then Wolves, not been the same Wolves as they were last season, uh, sort of struggling uh, in the league and with Europa sort of flying higher than making the transition there, and Southampton without their talisman who is injured. Shayadam seems to be doing it, leading from the front. Should be interesting to see what happens with those games. Right, moving on. News. We spoke about Liverpool's injury crisis. Uh, we didn't speak about the Arsenal training ground bust-up, and I know we just spoke about Arsenal leads. Um, do any of you have any objections to players sort of going at it in training uh, having arguments, having little fights, having little disputes. Uh, I mean, it shows their passion for the game. As long as they sort it out and then on the pitch, they're, they're working together in harmony. I don't see any problems with it. I know there was an issue before with Eddie Nketi and Sabolios. Mm. Um, but this time, apparently, David Luiz um, hitting Sabolios on the nose, was it, after a training yeah. game incident? Um, yeah. And, um, um, there was there was an article um, published in the Athletic by David Onstein, um, who generally seems to be quite uh, good with his factual news reports. Um, so yeah. to hear that he's reported about a training ground bustle, it kind of makes you think that there must be some truth to it. Um, and obviously, Arteta has reacted very negatively to this news in the press, and you know, and and, and there's talk that he's he's out looking for the mole. Basically, he's looking to find <laughs> out. Who is leaking this this kind of confidential club information? Um, and really, this is the kind of thing you want to see kept in the house. I don't want to see this kind of stuff out in the papers. And it looks bad because um, Sabayas had that bust up with Nketia before, didn't he? And so because he's mentioned in this again, it kind of looks like, is there something going on with him? Um, and maybe being an argumentative type of person or something like that. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean... Danny did come out on his uh, Twitter, I think it was, and say that, you know, it was fake. It's a fake story. It's fake news. Mm. Um, so, you know, I'm going to side with Danny and I'm going to say this is uh, absolutely nothing to worry about. This this comes about when teams aren't performing well in the league. You know, when, when teams are struggling like Arsenal are and all eyes mm. are on Arteta, then these type, of, these type of stories come about and everyone talks about it. Hence why we're talking about it on the pod and people talk about it. If Arsenal were on the right side of the table and winning, then this would be, you know. Mate, I would still punch you in the nose if we was top of the league. Would you not care if you set me up three times in the last game? <laughs> David, David Luiz loves touching people on the nose as well. I don't know if you've seen it, like his videos, social media. That he loves so random. <laughs> well, he, wow. Watch, right, listen to this, listen to this. When you That's see thing, David, isn't it? Bro, when you see David Luiz, yeah, when, when the players are sleeping on the, on the flight back or whatever, He's filming, he runs up to them and he squeezes their nose. He goes, and then also watch him when they're celebrating in a huddle, like after they've scored the goal, David Luiz is the first to grab a man's bits and like give it a squeeze for banner. Like he is a wrong one, I tell you. He's a proper practical joker. So it could be that something's happened and uh, it's, 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 it's spilled over. I know Arteta really wanted David Luiz to stay because of his influence in the in the dressing room and on the training pitch and that sort of the type of man that he is. Um, so it, it'd be interesting to see how they perform in today's game. Should they be starting? Mm. Um, I think you know Sabayas needs to start in order to add a bit of creativity and carry the ball a bit more. So uh, yeah. yeah, we like a bit of bust ups as long as it's used in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, I I think with the bust-ups, I mean, it does get, you know, the, the media likes to make it a bit dramatic, you know, it's commonplace in football, there's, you know, I, when I've played the game as a youngster, you know, there's there's players that, you know, you don't like, you might have a bit of a, a cussing match with them, but when you get on the pitch, mm. you know, you fight for each other and, and that's the most important thing, so I think media's making a big deal of it and let's hope that the players go out and the best... Um, antidote for this sort of thing is to, is to win your game so everyone stops talking about it. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, and that's it. If you can't take a, if you can't take your teammate having a go at you, then you know maybe maybe it's not the right place because you need to have thick skin and be ready to go to war in every yeah. game. Mm. Right. Someone who uh, choice of language wasn't ideal. FA chairman resigns. Um, 
And then as a result of that, there's been a, a sort of shake-up in putting people uh, to cover him. I just bring up the article. We've got FA chairman Greg Clark resigns after unacceptable comments. This was at the beginning of the month uh, when he was given a like a video Skype call and he used the uh, offensive language that he, you know, probably presumed he, he, he didn't feel like he maybe doing the wrong thing initially as in come back and apologised um, and then resigned. So it's good that the FA are acting on that. But then as a result of that, if I can bring up the other article, uh, Liam Rossinia and uh, a mix of male and female representatives are now helping out in uh, appointing a new FA chair. So it looks like actions have been taken um, as a result of Greg Clark stepping down and bringing in some new blood of uh, people of different ethnicities, genders as well, in helping shape the FA in future. I'd like to commend the FA on getting Liam Rossini involved because um, we kind of uh, broke the news before about there being some changes in the background of the FA and then putting together like some type of an, a, a diversity and inclusion board and Liam being a part of that. And so it's just great to see that, you know, it's not just talk with all of this um, Black Lives Matter and kick racism out of football, no room for racism, all of these campaigns. There's actual real action here that when somebody comes out and seems to be a bit of a bigot, maybe, maybe somebody that's making comments that go against the diversity and the inclusion that the FA say they're all about, then they bring somebody, uh, a, a group of diverse people together um, to to make the appointment for replacing this person. Um, and uh, if you look at who sits on the board, you've got... Um, Stacey Cartwright, you've got Peter McCormick, Rupinda Baines, Jack Pierce, and Kate Tinsley. Um, people that are independent, people that are part of the FA board, men, women, people from different backgrounds. It's beautiful. That, that looks like diversity and inclusion to me. Yeah. I mean, my taking you know, of the situation was, you know, that there are many, there are these types of people in football throughout the world. Um, and, you know, he, for him going up, you know, in this, um, this talk to, to parliament, I think the FA should have done more. They should have at least prepped him because he had a bit of history with this, um, sort of language in the past. Um, so I think the FA has to take huge responsibility for, for this man going up there. Um, and you know the people um, at the top of the game. Um, there, they, they, there needs to be more diverse people at the top of the game, and this, especially with Rena, um, Leroy Rossino coming in um, and having this panel, I think it's a good step forward. As Cal, as good step forward as Cal said, um, but you know, um, overall. I believe that this type of Greg Clark person is in, you know, he might be on the, he might be, there might be another one who's a chairman of a football club. There might, there's lots of these types of people in the game at the moment. And, you know, um, the more we can do to, to bring a more diverse um, football, the better really. Yeah. It comes with education and change. So change comes within, as we all know, but then educating the uh, elder, older sort of, generation of men white men mainly that's within the FA like you Greg Clark it's about educating them and teaching them and then showing them you know having people work with them so uh, these this isn't repeated and then also that these changes can come with um, men and women of different ethnicities and cultures yeah. uh, come to fruition because that's what the game's about and this is you know the society we live in and, and we need to see it from grassroots up so, like Cal was saying, you know, applauding the FA for acting so swiftly on it. Um, and, yeah. Also, we've got uh, Stacey Cartwright, Peter McCormick, Rapinda Baines, Jack Pierce, and Kate Tinsley. So, it sounds like quite an eclectic group there of different people uh, within the FA and then also uh, independent chair to, to help make decisions and, and push things forward for the FA Inclusion Advisory Board. So, Watch this yeah. space. Yeah. Well, just one more point on that. I mean, I think 
there's a I don't know if you guys have seen there's a, a documentary with Anton Ferdinand coming out talking about the, um, his issues with racism. You know, we all know his issue that he had with um, John Terry. Mm. Um, you know, and some of the things that he said, you know, about the actual FA and the kick it out, um, not wanting him to speak up at the time because it would have damaged um, the, the case against Terry. I think that was quite um, shocking to hear, to be honest. And I hope going forward that, I mean, they seem to have, I mean, players, a lot more players are talking up about racism now. Um, I hope that, um, you know, that we can see a change in players speaking up as well. Definitely, definitely. And not only players, uh, parents on the, on, on the sideline, coaches, uh, teachers, um, anyone, you know, you, you need to correct people on their language on views and stereotypical views of people. And, and let's all work together in, you know, making the game a better place. You know, I'm going to start singing Kumbaya in a minute and break it. Just conscious of time, there were a few other quick uh, articles that we can we can touch on. Uh, uh, Arlen, uh, what is it? Uh, Ealing Brute Harland uh, named as 2020 Golden Boy for the best yeah. under 21 player in the world. Um, mm-hmm. Other contentions were Ansu Fati and Bayern Munich's Alfonso Davis, but I don't think anyone can argue that Haaland's contribution, um, mainly in, in Champions League football as well. I know in doing it in the Deutsche League with one of the best teams, uh, but also in the Champions League against other uh, established teams around Europe. This this guy's on fire, isn't he? I mean, he's absolutely firing. So big shout out to him. Yeah, he scored four this weekend. Um, so even like being named like the young um, the golden boy and then scoring four in a 5-2 win for Borussia Dortmund, that like, he's just... He's scary. Like he's he's going to be the leader. Him and Mbappe, um, Jao Felix are like mm. the three leaders of the new generation. Um, and his finishing is just so clinical. Oh my gosh! Like the yeah. way he finishes, like a twenty-eight-year-old in his prime. Mm. And like good strikers get better with age. So if he's this good at like nineteen, what's he going to be like at twenty-five, twenty-six? Amazing, and it's such a great award to win as well. Literally saying that this player is the best under twenty-one player in the top European division. So you know, Ben just kind of mentioned some of the competition. Anybody that watched the Champions League last season would have seen Alfonso Davies bombing down the left for yeah. Bayern Munich. That guy is an incredible player. Ansu Fati at Barcelona. The skills that this guy—he's playing with Leo Messi. Leo Messi's giving him the ball, giving him penalties. Leo Messi could have taken a penalty. I saw him give just give it to Ansu Fati once. Like he. He has the respect of the best player in the world. But it's Haaland that wins the award. That's the potential that this guy has. Mm. And other players, I mean, just to, just to start back to last year when uh, Jao Felix won it and Jaden Sancho came second with Kai Havertz third. Uh, just to show, you know, players that have continued that uh, legacy or winning it or, or, or being second or third and then still pushing on. Uh, it's really good to see. I think, you know, uh, I'd like to say Foden maybe as well and in, in the argument for future Golden Boy because the way that, that touch, mm. did you see the touch he did? Again? Crazy. Oh, man. Crazy. You know, and he yeah. scored. He had trouble scoring in Iceland with them two birds, but he scored <laughs> <laughs> in Iceland. So this, you know, and Saka as well down the line. I mean, I was talking to Cal in the WhatsApp group about uh, Saka uh, maybe being, I know he's hyped as the best young young player um but yeah maybe he could be in contention down the line if arsenal pulled their finger out and then if foden gets more minutes but well done I to do the think, just, just just to quickly add i do think it was really nice to see uh saka getting some game time for the men's national team mm. the england team um you guys seem to not really care about the nation's league so much um i quite enjoyed watching it um, I, I was a bit disappointed that England didn't uh, get go through, but I do understand that this tournament's literally taken the place of international friendlies that were like nothing matches. So maybe mm. managers are still thinking, I'm going to experiment and, and, and try different formations, different tactics, different players, which is what they would do in a friendly at this time anyway. Um, so, you know, maybe managers are still doing that now. And maybe that's played a part into why England didn't have a consistent team didn't have a consistent uh, system 
and didn't go through to the finals. Um, but it is looking good. It is looking like players like Foden and Saka will be great players for England in the future. Um, and who knows, maybe one of them will be able to win the Golden Boy Award next season. That's it. That's it. Well, from one golden boy to four uh, golden podcasters, um, I'm going to say, Flex, thank you for coming on the show, bro. Is there anything else you'd like to sort of sign off with before we before we leave? Um, no, just again to thank you guys for having me on. Um, it's been great to talk to you and, you know, um, just look out for more of my FPO and Arsenal videos. And uh, maybe in a few more months, you can get me back on and we can talk again. 100%. All right. Cal, before we sign off? Yeah, quite interested in this five substitution debate that's going on in the Premier League. Will there be five subs coming in? Some managers and some clubs are for it. Some are against it. I think it could be interesting. Let's see what happens there. And really disappointed with... into Miami, getting absolutely smashed in the playoffs um, to Nashville 3-0. The, the season is over, so well done, Miami. They, they didn't finish bottom. They did well to not finish bottom in their first ever season in existence, but they got dumped out of the playoffs, so I'm a little bit disappointed. So, but the, the dream continues. And Ash, before we sign off? Yeah, just want to say a thank you to Ben and Cal. So this, this episode marks a year of me joining the BRB team. Wow. Um, yeah, I came on a year ago with Seth um, the last weekend of November. Um, just came as a guest, um, sitting in the same seat that Flex is in today, just thinking, oh, this was, this was really nice. Um, and after being a bit of a bugaboo, um, ended up just kind of, kind of hanging around. So I just want to <laughs> thank you guys because like, in the last year, we've done so many podcasts together, shared so many moments. You guys have given me the platform to kind of just be and to contribute and to bring ideas. And it's just a massive thank you to everyone who's kind of like YouTube in particular, but then everyone who's kind of subsequently listened and supported. So yeah, I really appreciate it. And um, here's to many more. Big up, big up. I didn't know it was a year, uh, man. We should have, we should have, uh, <laughs> we should have had some balloons or birthday <laughs> or something. Some champagne or something, man. Yeah, yeah. Some Lambrini maybe. Lambrini. The half-time flick of Lucas Aid and Lambrini. Oh, imagine. Lucas Aid and Lambrini. What's going on here? He can tell I'm from East London. I'm drinking that. <laughs> that is what Chirasky. On, on, on that horrible note of, of Lucas Hayden Lambrini. Um, Ash, thank you. For, it's been a year. I can't believe that. Flex, thank you so much for the videos and sort of putting the videos out on the social medias. And um, be sure everyone to check those out. Cow, as always smashed it ash has always smashed it and i've been one of your co-hosts ben english thank you for listening this is the play on podcast don't forget every week we have a podcast straight to your ears on a monday morning to get you through your commute to work whatever you're doing if you're working from home um you know stay safe and enjoy the rest of the weekend and the week take care big up ryan peace all right peace